I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Inside Sources, I'm your host, Greg Scordis, filling in for Boyd Matheson today. Uh, it's 149, and welcome back. Uh, we're looking at an interesting uh, couple of articles that I've read about recently that talk about uh, not only the fact that certain states are having a shortage of 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 a workforce service uh Nebraska is shutting down restaurants because they can't get because they can't get employees uh Kansas is shutting down some of its corrections because it can't get employees similar concerns have happened in Connecticut, Kentucky, Philadelphia and Cleveland and so we are looking at an alternatives to incarceration such as things like work release uh where uh, individuals uh typically uh, would spend the night in jail, but they're released during the day to go to work. Uh, what we call home confinement, which is often used with a GPS or ankle monitor, where a person is uh, pre-trial. We're talking about person hasn't gone to to court yet. They're they're innocent until proven guilty, or they're convicted of something minor like a misdemeanor. Uh, do we really need to just sit them in jail, or are there alternatives that we can use them for? And still help the economy and get them to work. And, and maybe maybe a condition of their release is work. Uh, pre-trial services, pre-trial release uh, that offers a, a practical solution uh, to the jail staffing shortages and the general labor market concerns. Um, there are a lot of programs and a lot of things that we can be doing. And I'm really uh, excited this afternoon to be joined by David Levitt, who I've known for probably 20 or 25 years. David is the current uh, Utah County attorney, uh, ran for attorney general last year, uh, and was uh, previously the Juab County attorney. He's uh, worked on both sides of the of the equation. He's done criminal defense work. He was a, had a very successful practice in criminal defense, and he's probably one of the more progressive and uh, really listened to uh, prosecutors in the state. I mean, when when Dave Levitt talks, uh, people listen. Uh, David, uh, thank you for joining us this afternoon, and it's always nice to uh, be able to interview you. Greg, it's a pleasure to be to be on your show. Thanks for the chance. You've often talked about alternatives to incarceration and and bail reform and whatnot. Is there is there some thing that we can put in place, David, uh, throughout our state or maybe even the nation that would allow for uh, pretrial uh, offenders or misdemeanor uh, people who are serving their time to better serve the community? And if so, how can we do that? Uh, the short answer is absolutely. And uh, and we're actually doing it in Utah County. And I'm, I'm quite excited to, to have any opportunity to talk about it. But but. Uh, but to frame the issue correctly, you, you really have to you, you have to look at this as a two-sided problem. The first problem no one really ever wants to talk about, and that is, uh, and, I, and I'll frame the question, I'll frame the problem with a question: Don't you think that the government ought to prove the allegations it makes against people? <laughs> you know, when oh, we yeah. think of 
when we think of free societies, uh, a hallmark of that is that the government never punishes people without without proof. Right. And and the second problem is that people, if they're going to change their behavior, need to have a swift sanction that's closely related in time to when they did the crime. And 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 those two those two issues are uh, connected. How are they connected? Well, the, the reality is, we 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 don't prove the allegations we make against people in in American courts because of the plea bargain, and because of that, ninety nine and a half percent of the people that we prosecute we punish without proof, and that's and and and, and that has resulted in such enormous court delays that uh, no one gets a swift sanction. And so what we do is we we have this model where people uh, get charged with a crime, and then they get charged with a crime, and then they have to wait for a year or so, oftentimes in jail, uh, until until they can get a plea bargain. And, and so there's never a swift punishment in any respect. And, and that's why we're seeing repeat offenders. That's why we're seeing all of this problem with the criminal justice system. What we're doing in Utah County is this. We're saying, uh, first, you have to identify that probably 90 percent of the of the people that we prosecute in criminal courts are not violent people. They're people who ha- have an addiction problem, a mental health problem, that have made bad choices, that are not violent, and and and, and you know, really, the the current model of of putting someone in jail to make them pay for their crime really punishes society, and uh, because we have to we have to pay for them uh, to be in jail, we have to feed them, clothe them, house them, and they're not doing anything to benefit society as a whole. And 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 so. We're starting with the model in Utah County that says, listen, we don't need to incarcerate nonviolent people. That's not to say they don't need a punishment. They need a swift sanction that will help them to change their life and be better. So what we're doing in Utah County is this. If you're a nonviolent offender and you've done something that's not violent, uh, rather than charging you and then putting you in jail, my office, Utah County Attorney's Office, goes out and – and we'll say, uh, give the opportunity, give the, give the offender an opportunity to pay their debt to society without going to court. Meaning, they'll do community service, they'll do education, they'll do job training, they, but they won't go to jail. Uh, and and if they do those things, if they do those things and do so successfully, then we wind up not charging them with the crime in the first place. So really what we're doing is we're giving them, we're front-loading their punishment so that their sanction is swift, and we're giving them the opportunity of not becoming a criminal. Can you make an argument, David, or a a persuasion that, in fact, it is cheaper uh, to have uh, nonviolent offenders out uh, pretrial or even as a part of their sentence uh, even though it's going to require some level of supervision, uh, whether it's uh, probation, whether it's GPS, whether it's just uh, regular check-ins to the court, as Absolutely. opposed to sitting in jail. Please, sir. Our... 
related. David, we seem to be having a little bit of a bad connection with you. Can, um, can you hear me? Can I can you hear, hear you now. Yeah, we can hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry about that. No, you're good. The the the, the reality is that uh, it costs about five dollars a day to engage in some form of pretrial uh, supervision or pretrial services uh, related to helping them pay their debt to society. And it costs, you know, 75 or $80 a day to incarcerate them. Now, we we need to understand that the violent and the dangerous always need to be incarcerated, you know, as long as they're violent and they're dangerous, right? But that's only 10% of the people in our criminal justice system. And, And so we can solve this problem literally by just rethinking how we punish people. Talk to us uh, in the remaining uh, minute or so here, David, about restitution and the ability for offenders uh, to make restitution and how that is done now and how it would happen in sort of the model that you're talking about. That is, can we have offenders out working not only to support the community and support themselves, but to support or to help to make restitution uh, toward their victims, especially in property crimes? And we're talking about nonviolent offenders. Absolutely, Greg. That makes so much more sense. I mean, the way the process works now is that if 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 a person steals something from you, um, uh, and and we charge that person with a crime, that person is obviously presumed innocent as he should be. Um, but we don't we don't have the opportunity of getting a restitution order um, at all until that person is found guilty. But 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 that person has spent so much money, typically, on lawyers and on other parts of the process to go through that that first that first prong. That by the time they they have a conviction, they oftentimes don't have the ability to pay back their money. What we're doing in Utah County is this: we we have this pre-filing diversion program, which simply allows people. Uh, to have their punishment on the front end, and rather than spending the process and the time either of their own money or while they're in jail, they're out working and able to pay back uh, the restitution and pay back their victims. In, in, in essence, what we're doing is we are allowing the victims to be paid back first rather than the court process. Thank you for joining us this afternoon, David. We were joined by David Levitt, the Utah County attorney, who I've watched for years and who was really been a very surprising uh, public figure. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than two million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.